Father, we just want to thank you. Father, speak to us, O Lord. I'm just an instrument, O Lord. Surrender ourselves this morning. All of us here and all around who are listening, who are tuned in. We commit ourselves to your kind hands. Speak to us. Open our ears. Anoint our ears. That we'll be able to understand. Grant us the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And also grant us the spirit of the fear of the Lord that we will depart from evil. Grant us a spirit of power and of love and of self-control. Discipline. Even as we meditate upon your word and receive your word by faith, anoint us and fill us with your Holy Spirit. We need you more than ever before. We need your spirit to empower us. We need your spirit to move upon us. We need your spirit to, Lord, in everything that we do, oh Lord, we need your spirit. And we confess that without you, we can do nothing. And this morning, Spirit of the living God, we ask you to come and empower all of us. That you would grant us the grace to glorify Jesus Christ, our Lord. And in everything that we do, your name and your name will be exalted. To that end I pray that you would bless and anoint the speaking and the hearing of this word. We thank you, we praise you for in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've been looking at uh, encountering the God of fire. See, um, that is when we encounter him that way. It says in Daniel, when Daniel was fasting and praying and then he encounters this divine being is not even, I don't think it was even God. I think it was, maybe it was God. It's not very clear. But he says, my comeliness turned me into corruption. That's the old KJV, beautiful language. My comeliness turned in me into corruption. That's how uh, when we encounter God, the holy God, the eternal God, the the weight of glory. We all will have a personal quake. <laughs> and we need to continuously, constantly keep having it in the light of um, the word of God. We exalt the word of God for it says the God of this world or this age has blinded the minds of the people so that we will not be able to see the glory of uh, of, Greek, of Christ Jesus in Second Corinthians chapter 4 verse 4. And therefore we need, we need the God, we need God to constantly give us a revelation of who he is in in his absolute holiness. And in, even John in the island of Patmos, the one who literally leaned on the breast of Jesus during the Last Supper, was one when he sees God, Jesus Christ, the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, as a judge, and his eyes as fire, his feet as bronze, brass. When he sees that incredible image, he falls on his face like a dead man. It's good for him, uh, for him, so that he could prepare himself. I believe yeah, this God, this man of God, who was so powerfully used of God, who stood for God all his days, you know, who was faithful till the very end. Even him, when he when he sees God in all, in all his glory, he has to fall down, fall flat on his face. If that is the case of the apostle who was so close to Jesus, how much more you and I? 
Therefore, this one thing that we constantly have to keep encountering, like Moses encountered the angel of the Lord in the burning bush. If you remember, um, you were not even 50 years old and you, you, you seen our father Abraham and he makes this powerful statement. He says, before Abraham was, I am. And that statement literally triggers them to, to use uh, the modern words. Okay. Triggers them into a frenzy. Because Jesus identifies himself with that voice in the burning bush. The angel of the Lord, the pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ to Moses through the burning bush. Okay, he he identifies himself with that voice. And Moses sees Jesus in the burning bush when he sees the bush on fire but not consumed. And he says, I will turn aside to see this marvelous sight. And he hears the voice of the angel. And then he recognizes that he's standing on what ground? Holy ground. And, and you, you should see this, 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 this consistent pattern in the old covenant. You'll see God with every prophet he does that. You see Isaiah, he sees God as five. Jeremiah, you see Ezekiel. Ezekiel has this fantastic image of the cherubim. This wheels within a wheel. Wherever the spirit went, they also went. Wherever the wheels went, they also went. Fired up vision and he falls flat as a flat, flat on his face like a dead man and it says the spirit of God entered into me and made me stand in front of God. It's powerful. All this imagery to give us this, um, this warning that the one who we are encountering at the judgment seat is not going to be a God of grace and of God of mercy. Now he's seated on the throne room of grace and the throne room of mercy. Um, it's called the mercy seat, but that day it's not going to be a mercy seat. It's going to be the judgment seat of Christ. And therefore, we have to constantly keep con- encountering the God of fire. Because that day, fire will test what kind of work it was. And it will be whatever is not of, uh, not uh, hasn't come through fire will be burnt up. So we need to encounter God in these ways, uh, in, the, in this particular way. And, uh, and there's one interesting pattern, a passage in the Old Covenant, where again you'll see this encountering the angel of the Lord, the pre-incarnate vision. You'll see the first time the angel of the Lord appears in the Bible, the pre-incarnate, you'll see of course in, in the in the Garden of Eden when Jesus comes to them in the cool of the day, it says in uh, Genesis chapter 3 verse 8, in the cool of the day, you'll see the Trinity, the triune God coming, you can turn there, Genesis chapter 3 verse 8. Hmm? Uh, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. The word for cool is the word ruach, means the spirit of the day. Day means what? Day. He called light what? Day. And darkness he called night. We are of the day. He saw God, they saw the Lord God coming, or rather they heard the Lord God coming, the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, the whole God the Holy Spirit coming in the cool of the day. And what happened? They hid themselves from the presence of God. The word for presence is the word panaim, from which we get the word faces. They hid themselves from the face of God because they could not stand and look into his face because they had sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You'll see all this pattern. They encountered Jesus. Um, the presence of the Lord. And then you also will see um, the angel of the Lord appearing in, um, I think in Genesis 18, you don't have to turn there, when um, the, the th- Abraham vis- uh, sees uh, the Lord coming and he uh, opens his home for him. And then again you also see the angel of the Lord. It says, a man wrestled with Jacob. And it is the angel of the Lord, okay. The man wrestled with Jacob and until the break of day, 
and the day was breaking by and he said let, let me go if you see me in the day you are gone okay so you will be just consumed so but uh, jacob says unless you bless me i will not let you go and, and and you know that that encounter with the angel of the lord and then there's again the angel of the lord through the burning bush we we'll, we know that we've studied in 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 lot of detail and we also see the angel of the lord in the life of joshua uh, he's called the captain of the army of hosts right and he says um, take away your sandals because the place that you are standing is holy ground and then again we also see the angel of the lord another passage which i want to i want us to look at this morning if you turn with me to the book of judges chapter 6 judges chapter 6 and verses 1 onwards let's read uh verses 1 to 6 and uh and let's try to understand um uh what the spiritual significance of this is in the new testament um then the children of israel did evil in the sight of the lord so the lord delivered them into the hand of midian for 7 years and the hand of midian prevailed against israel because of the midianites the children of israel made for themselves the dens the caves and the strongholds which are in the mountains so it was whenever israel had sown the midianites would come up also the amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them then they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as gaza and leave no sustenance for israel neither sheep nor ox nor donkey for they would come up with their livestock and their tents coming in as numerous as locusts both they and their camels were without number and they would enter the land to destroy it so israel was greatly impoverished because of the midianites and the children of israel cried out to the lord now this is uh, it's a powerful uh, imagery you'll see this um um this is new covenant okay old covenant old old testament where you see um, israel does evil in the sight of the lord you know evil is always in, in the sight of the lord and then uh, god delivers them into the hand of the midians and they keep sowing but they don't enjoy the fruit okay they get the fruit is completely not satisfying them okay whatever they produce the produce of the land is not satisfying them they're not able to enjoy the produce the work of their hands if you will and what is happening they're getting destroyed and it says verse 6 israel was greatly impoverished because of the midianites and the children of israel cried out to the lord now what is the word for midian anybody knows it what does it mean strife you know that if you look at the new covenant uh, rendering of this i mean if you want to look at what it means in the new covenant turn to james chapter 4 let's read from verses 1 to 3 okay it says where do wars and the word for fights okay the word for war means polema or from which we get the word polemics okay which which is arguments okay polemics okay where do wars and fights fights is the word for strife okay strives in other words come among you okay do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members you lust and you see the same picture the spiritual picture given to us in the new covenant 
of the Midianite spirit coming and taking over the church in, other, in, in some sense, right? You lust and you not, do not have. That means you are impoverished. Even though you are craving for it, you are not satisfied. You murder and you covet and you cannot obtain. You fight and you war. Again, you, the same word. You, you strive and you do polemics, <laughs> arguments. Okay. Yet you do not have because you do not ask. And again, verse 3, you ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your own pleasures. This is essentially what the Israel, Israelites were experiencing in some sense. Okay. If you want to look at a new covenant picture of what is happening over there. The spirit of strife taking over. And I'll tell you why. Why the strife comes. It says because you, verse 2, uh, yet you do not have, uh, you, you lust and you do not have, you murder and you covet. Okay, this verse. Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? That desires for what? Pleasure. See, um, Timothy says in Second Timothy, he says, in the last days, perilous times will come. What is that? Fierce times. A word for fierce, of course, occurs only another time in the, in the Bible, in Matthew chapter 8, where Jesus is uh, encountering those two demon-possessed people in Gadara. Okay. Fierce. Okay. It means demonic times will happen. So give me a time of increased demonic activity. So when you see this increased demonic activity, what will be the state of affairs all around? Strife. You'll see this in Second Timothy chapter 3. Okay, look at what it says from verses 1 to 5. Hmm? But know this, that in the last days, fierce times or perilous times will come. Why? For greatest word in the New Testament, okay? For, because men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God. Lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God. That means they are a people who love sukham. Want, they want this pleasure all the time. You know, there's a there's a there's a word for uh, sexually transmitted disease in the Telugu. It's called sukha vyadhi. Vyadhi means disease. Sukha means pleasure. Diseases caused because of pleasure. That's what it means in Telugu. It's a disease. It's a plague because because we just caused because of pleasure. And you know what I'm talking, we are, we are, we are uh, alluding to. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And it says, having a form, verse 5, having a form of godliness but denying the power and from such people turn away. Now this is what he's talking about. In the last this perilous times will come and fundamentally because people will be lovers of themselves and finally the way it closes, they will be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And what will happen? They will be because they're so self-centered Strife takes over. This is the reason for strife, wars. Why? Because they come for, uh, James chapter 4, verse 1, because of the, that's a very interesting term, I don't want to uh, mess it up. Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? 
whatever. James is like cutthroat, okay? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? Why do strifes come? Why do wars come? Why do arguments come? Because people are lovers of themselves and lovers of pleasure. That is one of the reasons why it comes. I'm going to enlist several reasons as to why strife comes. Another reason why strife comes, if you turn with me to Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12. Look at what it says. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. What is what is one of the characteristics of the last days? The love of many will grow cold. Why? Because lawlessness will abound and the love of many will grow cold. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers and multitude. That's the reason why it's, it's wise for a man to overlook faults. Cover <clears throat> a multitude of sins. You see that? Why? Again, you see that this, this is all in conjunction with the last days, my dear brothers. You need to understand this is so important for us to realize and not take these things for granted because it says in First Peter chapter 4 and verse 7, look at what it says. First Peter chapter 4 verses 7 and 8, how these two things come together. Hmm? But the, can you put it in the ESV? ESV. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. End of all things is at hand. Above all, in continuation, keeping, keep loving one another. Keep on, love the other translations. Keep on loving one another. How? Fervently or earnestly. Why? Since love Covers a multitude of sins. Now, if you look at sins, love covers a multitude of sins, right? If you look at Proverbs chapter 4, I'm sorry, uh, 10 verse uh, 12, hatred stirs of strife. Okay. Love covers a multitude of sins. Alright. You see that? Love covers a multitude of sins. Hatred stirs of strife. Love covers a multitude of sins. Alright. So, what what causes strife? Hatred. Okay. Another reason why, in other words, there cannot be a room for hatred at all against another brother. You may not agree with them. You may not uh, want to work with them. Hmm. But they, there is no way that you can have hatred towards them. No way. You always bless them and you wish the best for them. Wish the best for them. That's something which we have to really, really um, uh, practice because it doesn't come naturally for us. It's impossible. No, somebody wronged you. Okay, is it easy for you to say, okay, Lord, I bless him and I hope that he gets prosperous. Lord, judge him. Send forth your fire and let it. Whatever, no. <laughs> Deep down inside of your heart, that will be a prayer, but the confession will be different. But that's okay. But the, I'm not. I'm not saying that's okay. But you be honest. But ask God, Lord. No, 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 no. There's no way. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers a multitude of sins. Another place. Uh, Proverbs chapter 15, verse 18. 15, 18. Why is strife there? Hmm? A wrathful man stirs up hatred. 
stirs up strife. A wrathful man stirs up strife. But he who is slow to anger. You see that? Alice strife. The word is contention. Again, the word is strife. Alice meaning quietens. Alice contention. You can put it in NIV. NIV, NSB. All translations. Okay, Angry man, it says in other translations. A hot-tempered man stirs up dissension, but a patient man or a man who is slow to anger calms a quarrel. Hmm? A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but the slow to anger calms a dispute. Hmm? A hothead starts fight. A cool-tempered person tries to stop. You see, these are all, we are all hotheads, no? Oof. How our adrenaline just gets into our brains and it goes crazy. Gada, 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 gada. That, that anger, that rage. I mean, it's good to be zealous for God. Like Phineas. Right? You can have that. But that is huh, anger under control. Anger under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It is the zeal of God. Hmm. It is not the zeal for God. There is a zeal for God only Jesus had. That is perfect zeal. Zeal of God. Okay. Zeal of God. Then you can have the zeal for God. Okay. So, the hothead starts fights. A cool tempered person tries to allay them. Meaning, slow to anger meaning the one person, he has got legitimate reasons to be angry. But you know what he does? I'll not get, uh, I'll not give in to anger. See, Understand that. So, another place. Proverbs chapter 28 and 20, verse 25. He who is proud of heart, hatred, stirs up strife. Angry man, stirs up strife. A proud heart stirs up strife. It's ultimately everything boils down to one major problem in our life. What is it? Pride. But he who trusts in the Lord will be prospered. Isn't that amazing? Strife. How can one ally, I mean, overcome strife by trusting in the Lord? What is the opposite of trusting in the Lord here? Proud heart. You trust in yourself. You trust in your judgment. You trust in your in your, in, in fighting for your rights. <laughs> but on the other hand, the guy who wants to give away his rights and says, you know what, I will trust in the Lord. Let us see an example. 13.5 Genesis. You know this very well. Onwards. Okay. Lot also went with Abraham at flocks and herds and tents. Now the land was not able to support them that they might dwell together for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. Okay. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abraham's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. The Canaanites and the Perizzites that dwelt in the land. Okay. Now the guy who trusts in the Lord comes. Nobody comes. He says, so Abraham said to Lot, please, let there be no strife between us. He's not hot-headed. Maybe Lot was, I guess. How dare, he says. No, maybe he must have said that. Or maybe 
his wife, we'll talk about the wife later on, but, okay, he, she might have said that, no? Abraham said to Lord, please, please, what is it? He who trusts in the Lord, okay, please let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brothers. Okay, then you, and what does he say? Is not the whole land before you? <laughs> please separate from me. If you take the left, then I will go to the right. If you go to the right, then I will go to the left. This is what we call as giving up your rights. Okay. Holding things loosely. Not considering equality with God something to be used for his own advantage or something to be grasped. What did he do? He made himself of no reputation. He gave it up willingly. This is how strife is overcome. Hmm. I'll come to that later on, but we'll understand this principle over here. Let's look at another place. Is not the whole land and the lot and lot lifted up his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan that was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gordon, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as you go towards Zoar. He he made the first choice. And you know the story, and we know it so many times, we read it, but understand this. First Corinthians chapter 6, also we know that very well. If anyone has any dispute, verse 1. Dare any of you having a matter against another or a dispute against another. Go to the law before the unrighteous and not before saints. Hmm? 6 and 7. 6 to, six to 8 actually. But brother goes to law against brother and that before unbelievers. Now therefore it is already an utter failure for you. <laughs> that you go to law against one another. Why do you not rather accept wrong? Why do you not rather let yourself to be? You see, you be cheated, no problem. No, you yourselves do wrong and cheat and do these things to your brothers. You know, one of the times, one of the things that I, whenever I go to a store, okay. We Indians haggle a lot, right? We like to haggle. Um, see, most of the time, the guy who's selling and the guy who's buying are also very smart, okay? Uh, remember that guy uh, who says, it is waste, it is waste, in the in the Proverbs, in Proverbs, he says, it's waste, it's waste, but he, then he goes aside and he boasts. Remember, he buys, huh? it's nothing, it's okay. But I, you know, I'm not talking about it. Sometimes, most of the times it happened to me, I, I think, at least, uh, you get fooled. And I mean, and then you know that guy is doing something. I said, okay, Baba. And then you give that money and come back. You know, and then you will have argument in the home. Hmm? They say, you say, why you got yourself cheated? And sometimes I feel, no, it's okay if I got cheated. But one thing, if I got cheated, I will not lose anything with God. One of the things that you should say, it's a liberating thing. Okay. If you're cheated, okay. But one thing, if it, if it is God's will that you're cheated, you will not lose with God because God is there. One thing you will never lack. I got cheated so many days, so many times, but let me tell you something. I have not lacked in my life, only increased. And one of the things I keep telling my God, I said, Lord, never want to have any property dispute in my mind. No property. That is burn those bridges. No, I don't want property. Okay. 
If whenever and if ever it has to ever come, and if there comes some kind of a contention, I'll just pick up my bed and I will walk from there and say, you know what, I don't want to have anything. You take it and go. No contentions over it. Why? Ultimately, the meek will inherit the earth. So, there's no problem. <laughs> you will inherit it. No issues at all. Okay. You pour your life into Christ, into the church. Do whatever you want for the church. And one day, God is going to give you everything. You will not lose with God. One thing that you need to understand. You can never lose with God. Okay. So, he says, <laughs> No, you yourself do wrong and cheat and you do this. To your brothers, cheating and take it easy, man. Pick it up and go. So, so what what causes first hatred, second anger, third pride, fourth sixteen twenty eight proverbs. Uh-huh. A perverse man. So strife. Who's a perverse man? You know it from Proverbs chapter 6. The son of who? Belial. Hmm? Fruward. Perverse. Crooked. He's so strife. This fellow so strife. Do you think he will reap uh, harmony? Ah, no way. God is not mocked. Whatsoever you sow, that's exactly what you will reap. You sow strife and separate people. A perverse man sows strife and a whisperer, a gossiper separates the best of friends. Is that perverseness, crookedness in your heart. That's there in all of us. See, it's like this, no? You go and put your case for, I mean, it says, the guy who comes and presents his case first always seems to be Right. Until somebody else comes and cross-examines. Then, dood ka dood, pani ka pani. So, suddenly people will jump to conclusions. Wait, hold on. See what is going on. And you will see manipulation going on in different, different quarters. Okay. Perverse man, so crooked people. It's basically crookedness in your heart. All of us have that. <laughs> Who wants to be uh, looked as bad? Right? Nobody. You want to have, everybody should think good about you. That's what you want. So what do you do? You do whatever it takes. It's there. And a whisperer separates the best of friends. That's the reason why God says, He who sows discord among the brothers is an abomination to God. So that's the reason why he says, strive to keep the unity of the spirit, strive to keep the unity of the faith. Both have to be kept. And we have to work towards that end. Hmm? See? Can you put it in another translation? Maybe NIV maybe? NIV? And NLT? Both. A perverse man stirs up dissension and a gossip is not a gossiper. He's a gossip. That's the reason why uh, Romans chapter 1 will say, they are gossips. They are not people who gossip. They are gossips themselves. Oh, he's remarkable. What are you? Gossip. Okay. Separates close friends. 
separates. A troublemaker plants seeds of strife. You see that? Gossip separates the best of friends. You need to understand. Another place, 26, 20 to 21. Two verses together. Again, fire goes out for lack of fuel. Fire goes out. This is again, I think, uh, NLT. Just put it back in. Where there is no wood, the fire goes out. And where there is no tail bearer, strife ceases. Kya baat hai? I am telling you when you deal with the spirit of gossip, <laughs> no strife. Think about it, no? If I go and, just imagine, I go to Pastor James and I, I always say, Pastor, Sammy Pastor, this is the guy, Pastor. Always put him in positive light. Mom, how beautiful it will be. Always put him in positive light. Where there is no tail bearer, <laughs> strife ceases. Who's a tail bearer? That fellow is a slanderer. It's called a, his name is devil, which means slanderer. Diabolos. The word is diabolic from which we get the word diabolic. The one who slanders, who always misrepresents the other person. Okay. Okay. Who, who, uh, defames the character. That's another word. No? Another word for slanderer. He defames the character. That's exactly what he came, Adam and, uh, sorry, uh, when serpent came to Adam and he defamed the character of God. Remember Cyril when he, when he preached the vindication and the, and the assassination and the vindication of God. No, that's what, that was the title of his message. He, 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 um, he puts God in bad light to us. When he goes to God, he puts us in bad light with God. Hmm. You seen my consul, my servant Job? <laughs> Job, I know why he worships you. You are keeping you keep on blessing him. Therefore, he's worshiping. Remove everything you know his character. When he comes to you, <laughs> he's a total double tongue fellow. And this double tongue is there in all of us. That's a demonic thing which causes strife. It's a Midianite spirit. You see, where there is no wood. Fire goes out. And where there is no tail bearer, strife ceases. And verse 21. As charcoal is to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. See, you see the opposite? So what are you going to be? Are you going to be a person who fuels strife? Or are you going to be a person who puts off strife? It's a question. Another reason, another reason why people, this, the reason for strife. 1819 Proverbs. Easy to remember. Hmm? A brother offended <laughs> is harder to win than a strong city and strife or contentions are like the bars of a castle. You know what has happened? This fellow got offended so much now. And what has happened? There is a Bars of castle. Remember, when the Midianites came, what did they do? They dug themselves caves and dens and strongholds. Bars of castle around each other now. The people who were in castle, in strongholds did not allow the people in the dens. He said, go and put in a den. Separation took place. Midianite spirit. You see, the brother offended. So what is the other reason for strife? Offense. Blesses the man who is not offended because of me. It says in uh, John's Gospel chapter 6, they were strivings among the Jews when Jesus said, you have to eat my 
blood and I mean eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they were offended and they were murmuring. And then he asked his disciples, does this offend you also? And he says, many of his disciples did not follow him and they did not walk with him anymore. You know why? Because of this offense. Blessed is a man who is not offended because of me. Offense is a reason for strife. And what does it look? Contentions are like the bars of the castle. Let us look at it in different translations. Nice, nice words to have renderings, you know. Indifference. An offended brother is more unyielding than a fortified city. Kya baat hai? An offended brother is more unyielding than a fortified city and disputes or contentions or strifes are like the barred gates of a citadel. Barred gates of a citadel. That means it's got such a huge, it's a, it's a, there's a wall, you cannot get through to them, finished over. Strife. Brother offended is more unyielding than a strong city and quarreling is like the bars of a castle. Offense. I like that. This is this. Which translation is this? NLT. It's harder to make amends with an offended friend. Hmm? It is harder to make amends with an offended friend than to capture a fortified city. Why? Argument separates friends like a gate locked with iron bars. Kya baat hai? Arguments, contentions, wars and strifes, which is called polemics <laughs> and mashe. The word for Strife is mashe, you know from which we get the word mashet. It's to cut, separate. Hmm? Another reason why uh, contentions happen. 21.9 mm-hmm. That's a very interesting proverb, okay? This is Solomon, he visited one home. Out of his, I think, uh, several hundreds of wives he had. Better, he said, to dwell in a corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a contentious woman. Okay, he said, bah. If there is an attic, let me go and hide myself there, no? It is better to dwell there than to be with this lady. Hmm? Or go to the terrace and enjoy. And then he said, okay, man, let me just go to another home. And then he, he wrote Proverbs chapter 21 verse 9, okay? And then... He, he he went to another home. Twenty one nineteen. Better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and an angry woman. He said, "Baba, I think uh, this this verse was lived out by our great man Moses. He married the daughter of a." Priest of Median. Sipora. Bird. <laughs> okay. And where was he? In the wilderness. Baba, place of peace. At least I can act as if I'm the boss. Another quarrel. Not quarrel. 2715. A continual dripping on a very rainy day and a contentious woman are alike. Kya baat? Now, if you are all laughing, 
1913 also we will see off and then we can stop the controversies and we will go to the less controversial things. Okay, 1913. Okay, A foolish son is a ruin to his father and the contentions of a wife are a continual dripping. You know, the one of the ways they torture people in a torture chamber, they put him under one drop. I say, ah, drop is okay. One hour, two hours. And after two hours, each drop is like one bullet. Like one stone hitting his head. And then he gives him. Now the point here is this. We might just apply it to this, to, to this, this two women. Let, but think about it now. Are we not the bride of Christ? What are we? Us constantly saying, Lord, give this to me, give this to me, give this to me, give this to me, give this to me. We are like those people in the book of Amos, the wives, telling the husbands, go and work more and get double money. So that we can live a happy life. Now, this is what I feel about Lot. It doesn't say remember Lot. It says remember ah, Lot's wife. After getting the first knock on their heads also, they don't. They still haven't learned their lessons. They still go back to their old ways of life. Say, what is that? It is simply because these are a people who don't come under headship. They don't like headship. That's what it means. They don't want to come under headship. And they're like constant dropping on their, on their, on the heads of the, it's like a, um, 1913, right? If you look at, uh, in NIV, it's very interesting in the NIV. Hmm? Yeah, yeah. Uh, or NLT maybe? Uh, NLT, I'm looking for a, it's not there. One translation says, A foolish child is a father's ruin and a contentious wife is like constant dripping of a leaky roof. Constant. It's irritating. Right? You know, it's which one? Okay. A leaky faucet. Yeah. MSG. Yeah? A parent is worn to fazzle by a stupid child. A nagging spouse is like a leaky faucet. Constant dripping, contentious, strife. Why? They want to have their way. They don't want to come under the headship. We could talk about it in our terms. We don't have to apply it directly to women because it's easy for us to do that. But the fact of the matter is we are all like that. Constantly asking God. Can God give us food? Can God give us water? Can God give us this? Can God give us that? Constantly nagging, 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 nagging. Another reason for contention, for, for, for strife. Proverbs chapter 23. A self-confident 23 verse 29 onwards, okay? 29 to, uh, yeah. Who has a woe? Who has a sorrow? Who has strife or contentions? Who has complaints? Who has wounds without a cause? Who has redness of eyes? Answer is very simple. Those who linger long at wine, those who go in search of mixed wine. Meaning people who are constantly in search of pleasure. That's what it says, right? We looked at James chapter 4. 
Okay. Why do wars and strifes come among you? Because it is for the desires of pleasure which war in your members. Desire for pleasure. So what should we do in order to get rid of it? Answer is given again in the Bible itself. In Proverbs 22.10. Cast out the scorner and the contentions will cease. Yes, strife and reproach will cease. Cast out the scoffer and the contentions will leave. Yes, strife and reproach will cease. This is a small study on strife. Spirit of strife, the spirit of median. Of course, but we are looking at in a broader context of um, what should we, how do we get rid of the scoffer in us? Or scorner. Another translation, we can use it, look at it in different translations to get a good rendering. Drive out the mocker and out goes strife. Quarrels and insults are ended. Another one. Throw out the mocker and fightings, quarrels and insults will disappear. Okay. Kick out the troublemakers and things will quiet down. You need a break from bickering and griping. This is MSG. You see, it's like, you know, cast out the bondwoman and her son. What was he doing? He was mocking. And deal with your flesh and strivings will cease. But how do we do that? Here's a question. So let's go back to Judges chapter 6. How does this happen? Let's read from verse 6. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. And the children of Israel cried to the Lord. Now think about this. They cried to the Lord, but they still haven't dealt with the reason for their misery. You see, a lot of people cry out. It's what we call as worldly sorrow. What does it bring? Regret. Godly sorrow brings repentance. So, you see the entire book of Judges until now. Whenever the children of Israel cried out, God sent them a what? A judge to deliver them. But now things change. Instead of God sending a judge, something very interesting happens. And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites, verse 8, that God sent a prophet. That's important. Whom does God send? God sends the prophet. What does a prophet do? He does what we call as a surgery to find out the reason why this is happening. What is the reason for you to have this problem that you are facing? And the prophet comes to the children of Israel and says, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of bondage and I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all those who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. And also I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. Stop there. Stop there for a minute. So instead of God sending a deliverer or a judge, God sends a prophet. And you know from Revelation chapter 12, sorry, 19, verse 10, we know this very well. Mm -hmm. The latter part. 
Okay, okay. And I fell at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, see that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant, one of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus, worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Remember, uh, Abel was, or not Abel, Peter was uh, leading us in worship. And he mentioned something very interesting from Psalm 19 verse 7. Go there, please. Psalm 19 verse 7. Hmm? What does it say? Okay, we went from Revelation 19 to Psalm 19. Okay. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise simple. And it says, the spirit of prophecy is a testimony of Jesus. And the word for testimony is the word for witness, from which we get the word martyr. It's the death, burial and the resurrection of Jesus. It's the life of Jesus. That is the spirit of prophecy. Okay. Okay. Reminding us whose we are. Right? Reminding us whose we are. First Corinthians chapter 6 verse 20. First Corinthians chapter 6 verse 20. First Corinthians chapter 7 verse 23. After that. Hmm? What it says. For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's. You were bought at a price. Glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's. 723. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men. What are the, what, why have you become slaves now? Simply because you forgot who bought you to whom you belong. You forgot about that. And the one whom you, who owns you has got every right to demand obedience from you unconditionally. First Peter chapter 1 verses 18 and 19. We know this very well again. But word was knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received but tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So this is this is how you were redeemed, this is how you were bought, this is how God purchased you back to Himself. How? By sending His own Son. The testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. So what does the prophet come and say? You know what? Whom do you belong to? You belong to this, this this God. Whom are you serving? Are you serving your your job? Are you serving a relationship? Are you serving your boyfriend? Are you serving your girlfriend? Are you serving your wife? Are you serving your children? Or are you serving me? Are you serving your career? Are you serving your education? What are you serving? You were bought at a price, do not become slaves of men. You were bought at a price, but glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are whose? God's. Your God's. Remember that. Don't ever forget that. We were bought at a price. Price is incalculable. Incalculable. We know that from Psalm 49. Don't have to turn there. Okay. What can we give as a ransom to your brother? Impossible. That he will not see death. But God gave his son to ransom us. So he says, I bought you. I delivered you. 
I gave you this life and I asked you to obey my voice, but you did not. I asked you not to fear the gods of the Amorites, but you went and served these gods. That's exactly how God does. First thing, he sends us, doesn't send a deliverer. First he sends us a prophet. He sends us John the Baptist before he Jesus can come. He sends us the spirit of Elijah, which will show us why we are in such a situation. So never uh, shut down that voice of the prophet in our lives. The testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. When the spirit of God comes, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness of judgment. So that voice of conviction should never be stopped in our lives. In our lives, constantly we have to keep uh, keep uh, reminding us uh, ourselves of this. We are not. We don't. Uh, our, our our life does not belong to our our spouses or our children or our job. No, it belongs to God. He he owns it. He owns it through and through. Ransomed by the precious blood of Jesus. He owns us. He is the Lord of my life. And what has happened? Instead of serving God, you are serving others. Let's go back to James chapter 4, now verse 3. Onwards onwards. You ask and do not receive because you ask him is that you may spend it on your own pleasures. Adulteresses and adulteresses. Adulterers. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Who therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And next verse. Don't you know the scripture says that the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously. That's it. Stop there. Because who owns us? God owns us. And he cannot tolerate us fooling around and having a relationship with any other person other than him. Lord, I belong to you. You belong to me. Okay. See, these are very important. Very, very important. Otherwise, our minds will be on different things altogether. If you have been raised together with Christ, set your minds on things above and set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. Minds and our hearts, our affections, our desires, our ambitions, our thoughts, everything is in His hands. That is the reason why wisdom which is from above is first peaceable, etc. But wisdom which is from the other side, what is it? It is earthly, sensual and demonic. That's the degradation. What is earthly? First, it's earthly meaning which is of the earth. Sensual, the word for sensual comes from the Greek word sukos, sokikos, which means of the soul, which essentially means soulish. So if you replace the word for sensual with soulish, it is earthly, it is soulish, And it is what? Demonic. That is how demonic enters into the church. Or even into your, into your life. Oh, once I'm saved, uh, I will not be oppressed by demons. Who said? Hmm. If your wisdom becomes soulish, 
which is of the flesh or, or, or of the of the soul, meaning uh, I will, I want, I think, I feel. Okay. I feel, therefore, I feel this is what is true. I want this. I will this. I think this. The moment you say that, gone. Who, who enters? The demonic enters. Isn't it interesting? The moment Peter said, Lord, may this be far from you. And you know what Jesus said? You are behaving like Satan. Oh, Peter, how can you say that? It, you were not inspired by, by the Holy Spirit. You are inspired by the devil. No, he said, get behind me, Satan. Why? For you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. No, you are the way you are thinking. I will, I want, I think, I act, I feel. This is what you think. And what has happened? You have given yourself to the demonic. And Satan himself has entered into you now and speaking to you, through you. Not entered you, but speaking through you. In that sense. Understand that. Sensual. Okay. Sensual, demonic. Sensual meaning soulish, which is I feel, I want. Lot of people, many, many churches are intellectual churches. Okay. Just because you have the right doctrine. <laughs> Some people are, I feel church, some churches are, I feel churches. Always feeling, 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 feeling. If you look at their worship, all feelings only. Fold me close, etc, etc, etc. You know that was, those songs. No? I don't have a problem with those songs. But I love the other songs, which have got rich theology. Some of the old Telugu hymns also, powerful. They understood, they are We've got such emotions backed up by strong biblical foundations, by the inspired by the Holy Spirit. Not so so many other songs these days, right? There's so many. There are sensual songs. There's soulish worship. There's I feel worship. I think worship. I want to worship. I will worship. You see, the Spirit of the Lord has to move over the soul and control our bodies. The Spirit of the Lord has to move that Spirit, our Spirit, which is in union with God's Spirit, has to move over our soul and then control our bodies. The Spirit of the Lord in union with our Spirit has to transform our mind and direct our bodies. Otherwise, we will become open channels for demonic oppression. Sometimes demons will be operating, sometimes Holy Spirit will be operating. <laughs> there is never clear demarcation. Understand these things very careful. Very, very, very careful. I think, I feel, I, I want. That's what immediately Jesus says. If any man desires to come after me, what should he do? He should deny himself, pick up his cross daily and follow me. If anyone loves his, you know what for life? Life? soul, yes? If anyone loves his life, he will lose it. If anyone loses his life, will save it. What is? What should you lose? Whatever I think, Lord, I just want to forget it. Trust in the Lord. Okay. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean to your own understanding in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. So, don't ever, that's the reason why he says, these are very, very important. Earthly, 
Sanctuary. I will show you another place in 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 uh, in, uh, in uh, Jude. Please turn to Jude chapter one. Um, um, and there's only one chapter, of course. Just a minute. Yeah. Look at what it says. Verses seventeen to nineteen. I forgot to keep that verse. Very important because in the context of what we are looking at. But you, beloved, remember the words which are spoken to you before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. How that, that how that they uh, how they told you that they would be who in the in the last days scoffers. If you get rid of the scoffers, what will cease? Strife will cease. How they told you that scoffers or mockers in the last time would walk according to their own ungodly lusts. These are. Now replace the word sensual with what? Soulish. These are soulish persons who cause strife not having the spirit. They don't have the spirit. Devoid of the Holy Spirit. And what happens? The moment you are devoid of the Holy Spirit, there's nothing called vacuum. What enters in? The demonic. Earthly, sensual, demonic. Oh, be very careful. Very, very careful. Okay. Remember which was spoken by the apostles. How they told you that mockers, scoffers in the last time, who would walk according to their own ungodly lust. Why do wars and fights come among you? Don't they come because of the desires for lusts which war, which arise in your own members? You see that? These are sensual persons, sensual, soulish people. Soulish means they could be of the intellectual kind, they could be of the feeling kind, they could be of the stubborn kind. And all of them are open to this. People who are intellectual, they are not very obvious. It's not very obvious to us, no, because their thoughts are demonic. You see, void of the Holy Spirit. I think this has to be done. So we ought to be very careful in these last days. Okay. So what does he do? He sends a prophet to show us the testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. Now what is not there inside of you? Jesus is not there. It's interesting, right? What are we constantly exhorted to examine? Christ is in you or not. It's very interesting if you turn with me to Romans chapter 8. <clears throat> Let's read from verse uh, 6 on 7 onwards. 7 onwards. Let's read from verse 7 onwards. Because the carnal mind <laughs> is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, and indeed it cannot. Because we are talking about the sensual mind. Okay. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Now look at this. Put the next three verses in line. Okay, Very interesting. How this remarkable things come together. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. And verse 10. And if Christ is in you. See how the progression is? If the spirit of God dwells in you, you are of the spirit. If you have this, do not have the spirit of Christ, you do not belong to him. And the third thing, if Christ is in you, the testimony of Jesus inside of you is the spirit of prophecy. 
So what does he come and say? Do you behave like the one you that who belong to Jesus? Are you in union with him? Are you serving other gods? You are fearing other gods. The word for fear is to worship. <laughs> you worship other gods. So, this man has to come and confront them. Or do they repent? Do they say, oh, prophet, thank you so much for coming and, 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 and confronting us in our sin? Do they repent? No! But does God wait? Until they repent? Answer? No. Also no. Why? Because while we were yet sinners, I like that. Christ died for us. While we were ungodly and enemies. For scarcely for a righteous man, somebody would die. For a good man, somebody would dare to die. So that means a good man is better than a righteous man. Okay. But God showed his love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Hmm? So let us see how the Lord uh, deals with the situation. So let's go back to Judges chapter 6 and see from verses uh, 11 onwards. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Oprah, which belonged to Joash, the Abiezrite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress. You know the word for Gideon, you know what the word Gideon means? To cut in sunder. That's what it means. What should you cut? The doors of brass. Why, what has strife caused? A wall of brass. And what should Gideon do? He has to cut it in sunder. Let me show you. I mean, let me not, let God be true and every man a liar. Turn with me to uh, Psalm 108 and verse, uh, sorry, 107 from verses 10 to 16. Those who sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, death, bound in Affliction and irons. <laughs> because they rebelled against the word of God and despised the counsel of the Most High. Therefore, he brought down their heart with labor. They fell down and there was none to help. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and he broke the chains or broke the bars of chain into Two pieces. That is what is mean, what word Gideon means. Breaking the brass walls into pieces. Oh, that men would give, give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. That's what the word Gideon means. For he has broken the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron into two. That is Gideon. The man who is going to break these walls of strife and start building what? Bridges bring harmony. But in order to get harmony, first of all, you have to have what with God? Peace with God. And then we will have peace with. Pursue holiness with God, without which we cannot see God, and peace with man. First, in order to have that, first we have to have peace with God. We'll come to that later on. But understand the reason why Gideon, he's called Gideon. What is he, What is his purpose? 
to cut the bars of iron into sunder. Isaiah chapter 45 verses 1 to 4, like that. 45, I think, um, this is for, you know, President Trump too, the 45th President of the United States. Look at this, what it says. Thus says the Lord, to his anointed to Cyrus, whose right hand I have held, to subdue nations before him, and to lose armor, and lose the armor of kings, to open before him the double door, so that the gates will not be shut. I will go before you and make the crooked paths straight. I will break in pieces the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron. That is what Gideon is going to do. That's what the word Gideon means. He's going to cut the bars of iron. And then verse 3 and 4. I will give you the treasures of darkness and the hidden riches of the secret places that you may know that I, the Lord, who called you by your name, am the God of Israel. That's enough. What does the word Gideon mean? To cut into sunder. To break the bars of iron into two. So what is he going to call him? Let's go back to 11. Then the angel of the Lord. Who's this angel of the Lord? No, it's Jesus. It's a, it's a, it's, it's what we call as a theophany. Theophany meaning the pre-incarnate. It's a very theological term for the pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ. The angel of the Lord. The angel. It's not an angel. It is a, the angel. Angel, the word for angel is malek or malecha from which we get the word king. Okay. The angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree. The last prophet is who? In the old covenant? Malachi. Okay, we, of course we get uh, John the Baptist. From which we get, Malachi means Malek, e, my, I belong to my king. Malachi, of the king. Okay, that's that's the word, that's the word Malachi means. What Malachi means. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah and belonged to Joash the Abazarite, while his son Gideon thrashed, Oh, sorry, thresh, not thrashed. Threshed wheat in the wine press in order to hide it from the Midianites. So what is he doing? He's threshing wheat in the wine press. Okay, I will put that message in the description box. I will tell Sami later on. Pastor James preached upon this some, sometime back. I'll give you the exact title. Okay. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which is an opera, which belonged to Joyce the Abyssalite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the wine press in order to hide it from the Midianites. Okay. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Kya baat hai? And he must have turned here and there. <laughs> who's the, who's this mighty man of valor? I'm the only one over here. Okay. The Lord is with you. The angel of the Lord is remarkable. Who comes himself, who comes to him and says, the Lord is with you. The angel of the Lord comes and says, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. See, one of the things that you need to realize is, God sees you always as an overcomer. Because he doesn't see you as yourself, he sees you in Christ. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation, all things are passed away, all old things are passed away, and behold, everything has become new. This is a remarkable truth for us to understand and realize. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. So what, how, how does God see you? He sees you as an overcomer. The potential to overcome is there in seed form inside of you because you've been born by the seed which was in God. That's the reason why he says, whoever is born of God does not keep on sinning because his seed remains in him and he what? He cannot sin. Kya baat hai? 
He cannot sin. You are an overcome already in Christ. It's there in seed form. And he says, oh, you mighty man of valor. And you look at each other and we look at our circumstances and situations. We say, you know what, Lord, can I ever overcome sin in my life? And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and he said, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. The first promise in the, in the New Testament, you shall call his name. Jesus, for he shall save his people from his sins. And then you shall call his name Emmanuel. What is it? What does it mean? God with us. Okay. God with us. Now God who was against us, now he has become for us. God who was absolutely in, who was enemy has become for us now. Who was against us has become for us. Turn with me to uh, uh, Romans chapter 5 verse 11. Actually 10 and 11. 10 and 11. Mm-hmm. Romans chapter 5, verses 10 and 11. For if we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son. Much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His and life. And then he says, not only that, but we also rejoice in God Through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have received the reconciliation or atonement. Another thing, another place. First Peter chapter 3 verse 18 if I am right. Yes, 3.18. For, excuse me. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive. By the Spirit. He was the one who brought us close to God. He was one who reconciled us to God. So what does he do? He says, the Lord is with you. Okay. The Lord is with you. So how does, how does, how did the Lord become for us? We know it's very well, right? Romans chapter 8, verses 31 onwards. How did, how does the Lord become for us? Okay. All this, we've seen these verses several times. What then shall we say of these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? The Lord is with you. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him for us all. How shall I not with him freely give us all things? And what are the all things that he gives? Hmm? Return to Second. Uh, uh, 1st Corinthians chapter 3, 1st Corinthians chapter 3 and verse, you know, every time you look at a new translation, one of the things that you also have to keep, keep, uh, keep looking for is what is your favorite verse. Okay. You know, what is the favorite verse, the latest favorite verse for me is? Hmm? Uh, turn to Proverbs, uh, 1st Corinthians chapter 3 and verse, um, not second Corinthians. What am I saying? Sorry. One twenty-one. Yes. First Corinthians chapter three was twenty-one. Therefore, let no one boast in men, for all things are yours. What are these all things? Whether Paul, Apollos, or Cephas, Paul and Apostles, Apostles, Apollos is teacher, hmm? or life, or death, or world, or life, or death, or things present, or things to come, all are yours, and your Christ's, and Christ is God's. Okay. 
uh, and then first first Timothy chapter sorry for second Peter chapter one and verse three. Second Peter chapter one verse three. Okay, and, and four. As his divine power has given us all things <laughs> okay that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to glory and virtue by which we have given us exceedingly great and precious promises that the, by these you may be made partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust okay escape it why all things are yours now everything pertaining to life and godliness god has given you everything there's no excuse. And what are those things? By which we have been given exceedingly great and precious promises. Not precious promises. Not great and precious promises. It is exceedingly great and precious promises. Through these you may be made partakers of the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world. Through last you. Everything has been given to you. Promises of God. We are a set of people who live by faith. Means we live by promises and not by sight. Every promise. And one of the favorite verses for me in my Bible, in my these days at least is, but God be thanked that though you were once slaves of sin, you became obedient to that form of teaching that was handed over to you and having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. My favorite verses, 16, 17, 18 of Romans chapter 6. What a powerful verse. You were once slaves of sin. But God be thanked. He gave you what? All things through teaching. <laughs> Paul, Cephas, Apollos. Okay. Everything has been given to us by which we can receive exceedingly great precious promises. And through these, we can escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. And everything pertaining to life and godliness has been given to us in Christ. So, God is with you, O you mighty man of valor. Why are you a mighty man of valor? Because God is with you. In and of yourself, you are useless. <laughs> with, it, without God, you can do nothing. I am telling you, you know, one of the greatest blessings that God can do to you is to make you achieve nothing. Really, honestly. It's so true. If you are particularly a child of God, and you want to pursue something which is not in the call of God for your life. The greatest blessing for you is to work all night and catch nothing. Twice. Yeah. So that when you catch something, <laughs> then you'll realize, Baba, <laughs> this is the hand of God. You'll leave it and you'll follow God. Your heart will not be there. This is something which I have experienced by <laughs> in person in my life. <laughs> Whichever is not of call, not a call of God in your life, it has to fall to the ground and you have to come to the point of nothingness. Being nothing. You have to become a big zero. And that has to consistently, constantly keep happening. Okay, It's not like one time you become zero. It's like you have to become 0, 0.0 and then 0, 0.000. And then has, that zeros have to keep on increasing because... Uh, you say, I am only 0, you are 0.0. 0. Hmm? Okay. Uh, those, among the zeros also, there is a lot of contentions and strife. Huh? I remember, I think Zach Puran would get the superb illustration, right? What are you? Preacher, 0. 
what are you? There is all zeros. And then he says, this is Christ. And he puts the one and everybody else gets value because of him. Okay, whatever you are, you are a big zero. Okay, what did you have that you can boast of? Self-made man, really. This life, this today, your life will be asked for you. Asked, I mean, you will be asked today, this night. Then what will happen to you, whatever you have achieved? Gone. I think that was the greatest depressing thing for Solomon. You know what he said? I worked for all of this. And I have to give it to a fellow (laughs) who has not worked for this at all. I don't even know whether that fellow will be a wise fellow or a fool. And this caused him double depression. DD. (laughs) He got PhD in depression. That's what Ecclesiastes is. PhD in depression. Doctor of philosophy in depression. (laughs) How to get depressed successfully. (laughs) This is Ecclesiastes. All things. What What makes you a mighty man of valor is the fact that God is with you. God is with you. I can do what? All things through Christ who strengthens me. Why? I can know how to be abased. I know how to abound. I know how to be enriched. I know how to be in poverty. Why? Because in every situation I am the same. Just because my bank balance increases, I am not going to buy a Mercedes Benz. No way. <laughs> no way. <laughs> I will still buy a Nano if there is a case. That is the case. <laughs> I love my Nano. I am telling you, it is the most, what do you say, problem-free car for a preacher. Okay. Oh, he only drives a Nano. Okay, okay. Thank you, Jesus. He's not getting rich. Thank God. You know, you don't become a stumbling block for that. Oh, most. Achha car hai, From where is he getting that money? Oh. Why all this headache? One nano is enough. <laughs> nano. Then they'll, they'll be satisfied. I'll be happy. Okay. <laughs> so I'm so upset that nano was not out, was taken out of production. But I believe it's coming back. Somebody else is purchasing it. Some other company is uh, is 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 is, uh, is 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 too precious for a pastor for nano to be taken away. No way. It has to be there. <laughs> okay. It has to be there. You know. I'm telling you, it is a trouble-free car. Okay. Trouble-free car in every way. Okay. Low on maintenance and low on headaches as well. Spiritual and otherwise. Okay. <laughs> Alright. So think about this. So what makes you a mighty man of valor is God with you. The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. But the thing is that he is looking at his current state situation and it is a good question he asks. Let's go back to Judges chapter 6. Okay. Now the angel of the Lord. Okay. Uh, verse 13. The Lord is with you. And Gideon said to him, Oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? It's a very good question. Question we need to ask, Lord, if you are with me, why am I defeated by the world? If you are with me, why am I defeated by sin? If you are with me, why am I still anxious? If you are with me, why is there still unforgiveness? Lord, if you are with me, why don't I really, really experience that freedom that is supposed to be experienced by a child of God? For you said in your word, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. It's a good question to ask. If you are with me, 
Only one thing that separates us from the from Christ. What is that? Sin. Sin. If you are with me, Lord, what is going on in my life? Why is this constant defeat? If I am your child, and if I am your son, why is this defeat in my life? And he says, where are the miracles which our fathers told us about saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? You know, like for example, we say, no, I wish I was like the first century church. Look at those people. Oh, so they were so bold. They were just like us. A remarkable uh, uh, message that we heard last Sunday. Elijah was a man just like us. And he prayed. That's it. And he says, for 42 months, don't rain. And he did not rain. Lord, if Elijah was a man just like, and other translations would use words, he was a man of like passions. He was not like this holy Joe. He was a man of like passions. He was a man who was given to depression. He was, not, he was a man who could not be easily get along with. You know it, right? <laughs> Suddenly he will say, I have to go to Bethel. I have to go to Jericho. I have to go to Jordan. Elisha says, wherever you go, I'm going. Okay. Not, a, not an easy man to be with. Man of like passions. And if you are, why am I defeated, Lord? Why am I defeated in my life? Why am I defeated? It's a good question to ask. If God is for me, why is this defeat? And you know what? The only reason why God is not with you is one reason. God gives grace to the humble and he resists the proud. That's the fundamental and the most easy lesson to learn in your mind and the most difficult lesson to follow in your heart. To humble yourself constantly so that the favor of God will be over your life. Why? The eyes of the Lord are running to and fro throughout all the earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. Perfect. Toward him. And the only reason why we we get defeated is one thing. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. What he says, what does it say? The grace of God has appeared to all of us, which teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, so that we can live self-control and godly lives in this present age. Does it not say? The grace, it is by the grace of God I am what I am, and the grace of God was most abundantly in me, and that I worked harder than all of them, and yet not I, but the grace of God which is in me, I can be a hard-working, but I am a lazy fellow. Why, Lord? How long will I sleep? Why is it like that? Maybe there is no grace. God gives grace to the humble. Two reasons. Two reasons. Let us look at two, both both of those reasons. And we will look at the reasons in, in, in the New Testament. We know this very well. But let us look at it from First Peter chapter 5 verse 4 onwards. First Peter chapter 5 verse 4 onwards. First reason. Okay, uh, verse 5 onwards. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed. Other, trans- other translations will use the word decorate yourself with humility. 
clothe yourself with humility so that the spirit of God can rest upon you. For God resists the proud but gives grace. First thing, humble yourself. Humble yourself by asking God for a spirit of submission. Submit yourself, it says, in Romans chapter 3, to all authorities. And he says, you uh, uh, slaves, submit yourselves to your masters, to your earthly masters. Not only to the good and gentle, but also to the people who are crooked with you. Because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example who did not sin, no deceit was found in his mouth, etc, etc, etc. Resist. Resist. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And he says, therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Meaning, never, Lord, I should never get success before I am ready for it. You know, I was reading Derek Prince's book, uh, uh, yeah, Rules of Engagement. I am telling you, it's one of the most powerful books. I'm started, I am started. started reading it the day before yesterday. I'm right, just first chapter, and I'm just growing through chapters and chapters like that. It's this, it's this thesis of 50 years of ministry, that book. And one of the things he says, the greatest danger for a believer, the greatest danger for the believer is success. Is success. The greatest danger for the believer. So you should, first of all, you may be successful in your ministry, but let us let that success not be known to you first. It's like, you know, let's just imagine, right? Uh, I tell Abigail, okay, uh, you get 100 and I'll give you so whatever, 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 okay? And she's working, 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 already deposited, let's say, 100,000 100, rupees in her account. Okay. Let it not come to your head. Oh, otherwise you'll relax. Or then you say, oh, I'm great. Let success not happen to you before your time. Whatever it is. Let character be formed inside of you. Okay. There are two things. There is one we call as testing and there is chastening. Testing is for character. Chastening is for discipline. When you are testing, when you are being tested by God, endure. When you are chastened, repent. Okay. When you are chastened, repent. When you're tested, endure. And the only way to endure, as Derek Prince says, is to endure. And all of them says, you know, they'll say, the best way to endure, and everybody look at like that, as if he's going to give you a formula to, for endurance. There's no formula for endurance. Is to endure. Just think about it, no? The best way to finish the 10 kilometer race is to finish it. Simple. Thank you. <laughs> That's it. Over. Is to finish it. There's no other plan B. Submit. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Oh my goodness. Ask God. That's the reason why I love Pastor Sundar Krishna's prayer. You know what? Lord, grant me the blessing of obscurity. Grant me the blessing of obscurity. Nobody should know. Lest it goes into my head and I'm gone. You see, success without character is going to destroy. Let the character be of Christ be formed in us. 
Okay, I like that song, no? Oh, let the beauty of Jesus be seen in me. All his wondrous compassion and purity. Oh, thou spirit divine, all my nature refined. To the beauty of Jesus be seen in me. That's what happened to Joseph. Until his time, the word of God proved him, tested him until iron entered into his soul. Then Pharaoh called him out. And this guy now becomes a god to Pharaoh. Even Pharaoh's son, Daddy, I want money. Please go and say dandam to Joseph. Okay. Who's coming? Pharaoh's son has come. What does he want? Huh, one bag of rice. Okay, give it to him. Can you imagine? This is Joseph. Okay, this is Joseph. You know why? The character humbling himself under the mighty hand of God so that he may exalt us in due time. The one thing that makes God against us is pride. If God is for us, you mighty man of valor. You know why God is not with you? Simply because you do not never humble yourself. You get offended so easily. You get offended. You know, one, one of the things that you should, you should, when people say certain things to you, don't get offended. You get, can get angry at you. Not get, don't get angry at the person. I said, Lord, how long, Lord? Come on. How long will order not come into my life, for example? No. <laughs> yeah. Those are the things we should we should respond in positively and say, Lord, yes, I will humble myself under the mighty hand of God. He will exalt me in due time. And then he says, verse 7, verse 7 and 8. Hmm? Casting all your care upon you, for he cares for you. That's, that's enough. Casting all your care upon you, for he cares for you. Don't fear. Nobody is going to take advantage of you. Don't worry. If you are you're being taken advantage of, blessed are you. <laughs> Do you know that? Blessed are you if people take advantage of you. I think you should write that verse. Okay. Blessed are you. Okay. Chapter <laughs> Chapter 1 verse 1. <laughs> okay. Blessed are you if people take advantage of you. Blessed are you. You know why? The character of God is being formed in you. You are humbling yourself. He humbled himself and made himself of no reputation. That is the character, the mind of Christ. That's the first thing. This is how you humble yourself and allow God's grace to flow through you. Okay, second. Go to James chapter 4 now. Let's read from verse 5 onwards. Hmm? Or do you think that scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns earnestly, but he gives what? Grace. Who more grace? Therefore God says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And then, what you, what you should say? Therefore submit to God, resist the devil and he'll free from you. Draw near to God. And he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your minds, your hearts, you double-minded. Meaning, the other way you will allow yourself to be humble is by having a single-minded devotion to God. My heart has no other person. It is perfect. Meaning, the Spirit of the Lord is searching to and fro to see for those for whose hearts are what? Perfect. Complete towards me. Towards him. My heart, Lord, is yours. My 
my heart, my mind, my soul belongs. We sang that, no? Soul belongs to you because you died for me. Okay? Paid the price for me way back on Calvary. That's why I praise you. I'll lift you up and I'll magnify your name. That's my heart. That's why my heart is filled with praise. This is my heart, my mind, my soul, everything, Lord. Single-minded devotion. Okay. One thing. <laughs> One thing, Christian. <clears throat> You're an integer, not a fraction. You're not a fraction. Unite my heart, Lord, to fear your name. Make my heart one. Echad, it says. The word is Hebrew is what? Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Who's the Lord your God? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They agree. They're always in unison. What, is, what does it mean? The way you humble yourself is to agree with God in everything. How can two walk together unless they are? Agreed. You want to walk, you want God to walk with you? Are you for us or are you against us? <laughs> hello, 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 hello. The question is for you. Are you for me? Are you against me? Oh, that fellow is, he's casting out demons in your name. Don't forbid him. Those who's not against us is for us. And therefore, those who do not scatter, but they are those people who gather. And what is God doing? God is gathering all of us together in one in Christ Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2. God is a God who unites. He makes us one. That is the reason why Lippert Chronicle made a powerful statement. What a statement it is. God made integers. All else is a work of man. To divide is to is the work of man to make one to make whole. Do you want to be made whole? Here's a question. Look, you have been healed, but your faith has made you whole. A lot of difference. Submit yourself to God and resist the devil. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. These are the two principles. If God is for us, Lord, why am I going through all this? Reason? You never humble yourself. And you had your minds and your hearts are divided. And then comes the next part. Let's go back to Judges, chapter 6. Verse 14. 13 onwards again. Gideon said, Oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then all this has happened to us? And where are all these miracles which your fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us, delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And you know what God says? Verse 15. Verse 14. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in your might of yours, in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? If God has to send with us, send us, <laughs> you know how is it going to happen? Verse 15. So he said to the Lord, Oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? <laughs> Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I'm the least in my father's house. Thank God. The spirit of humility has come upon you. You're not any better. Look at your calling, your brothers. Not many, mighty. Not many, noble. Not many, wise. God has chosen the 
foolish things of this world. Lord, <laughs> let me be a foolish thing. Uh-huh. He will prove yourself to you. <laughs> and he will make you a fool <laughs> in the eyes of the people first. That, that, that process has to happen. Okay. If any man thinks he is wise in this age, he has to become a what first? A fool first so that he be, can be made wise. Okay. You have to empty yourself. Then he says, then he says, and the Lord said, surely, what? I will be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. You see that? The principles coming together over here. How will you defeat him? You will defeat him as one man. That means you'll become whole now. I'm not going to make you complete. I'll be absolutely with you. My grace will be sufficient for you. And my strength will be made perfect in your weakness. But how is that going to happen? Then he said to him, If now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who talk with me. Okay, then he said, Who said this, Bob? Let's go to the previous verse. 16, rather. And the Lord said, Who came? The angel of the Lord came. Who's saying? So the angel of the Lord came and the Lord said, Who is this angel of the Lord then? The Lord Jesus Christ himself. That's what is happening over here. Then he said to him, If now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who talk with me. And then he said, Do not depart from me here, I pray, until I come to you and bring out my offering and set it before you. And he said, I will wait until you come, until you come back. So Gideon went in, prepared a young goat and unleavened bread, okay, and a a form of flour. He put the meat in a basket, he put the broth in a pot, and he put, and he brought them to him under the terebinth tree and he presented it to him, okay, presented them to him. And the angel of the Lord said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread. Sinless sacrifice of the Son of God. Okay? Unleavened means, okay? And lay them on this rock and pour out the broth and he did so. And the angel of the Lord put the end of his staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened bread. And what rose up? Fire. Out of the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. And the angel of the Lord departed from his sight. And look at the next words of this great man, Gideon, who ultimately becomes, uh, sorry to say, uh, total, what do you say, disappointment. Now Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. So Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for I have seen the face of the angel of the Lord face to face. It's just like the pennial experience, right? I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Then the Lord said to him, Peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. And the last verse for today, 24. So the, and so Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and he called it Jehovah Shalom. To this day, it is still in Ophrah of the Abazarites. How is God going to be with you first now? You know what? He is going to judge sin in your life with his own life. God was reconciling the whole world to himself in Christ Jesus on the cross. He poured the fire of the wrath of God upon him. He showed him all the faces. (laughs) In fact, he showed him the other face. The faces of God. 
you know it's it's very interesting right when um, nedab and abihu go to the presence of the lord and they offer what fire profane fire and it says the fire came out from the presence of the lord from where of the lord from the presence of the lord and consumed them and they died in the presence of the lord i would always wonder what might have happened this is what my understanding is they might have seen the other side of the face of god and they couldn't handle it and they died there nobody can see my face and live so you know what god did he hided him he hid him in the cleft of the rock and he passed before him and he declared his name the lord merciful and gracious slow to anger forgiving iniquity and sin but in no wise declaring the guilty uh, letting the guilty go unpunished what did he do he punished sin on the cross the fire of god fell upon jesus on the cross and when he made uh, when that sacrifice was complete we became we had what peace with god now we can have what peace with man peace with god peace with man and then what happens gideon builds an altar there to the lord and called it the lord is peace to this day it is still there so what does god do let's look at the next verse and we will stop now it came to pass the same night the lord said to him the same night okay <laughs> the same night in the morning all this happened in the same night god said take your father's young bull the second bull of seven years old and tear down the altar of baal seven years you were under midian you cried to the lord you want the lord to save you but have you dealt with your altars have you dealt with your gods no you see a lot of people want deliverance where in their sin not from their sin okay in spite of this the angel of the lord still comes you see and tear down the altar of baal that your father has and cut down the wooden image beside it the altar of baal and the wooden pole the word is the pole is called the pole of ashera okay the wooden pole is ashera okay the prophets are baal and the prophets of ashera the altar of baal and the alt and the pole of ashera have to be destroyed the same night let me know that you that, that i that i declared you righteous and now you said jahwe shalom <laughs> i have got peace with god okay having been justified by faith we have peace with god now what are you going to do now what are you going to do are you going to tear down the altar of baal that very night because he was fearful what does he do he goes and tears down the altar of baal this is what we call as obedience this is what we call as obedience okay faith that leads to obedience and let's look at that last verse turn with me to first thessalonians chapter 1 verse 9 and 10 first thessalonians chapter 1 verses 9 and 10 for they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you and how you turned to god from idols to serve the living and true god and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead even jesus whom de- who delivers us from uh, the wrath to come another play, another verse first corinthians chapter 10 verse 14 onwards 
It says, therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Okay. I speak as to wise men, judge for yourselves what I say. Now think about this. What has happened to two ways for God to be with us is what we humble ourselves and that we come, we have a submissive spirit. Second, we, we allow, we make God be for us or we cannot make. God will be for us when we have a single minded devotion that we have no other what you call idols in our heart. Therefore, what should you do? Verse 14, if you want to have the continuous, if you want to enjoy continuous presence of God in our lives, therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. He tells tells in 1 John chapter 5, the last verse, my little children, keep yourself from idols. Okay. I speak to you as wise men, judge for yourselves what I say. Next verse. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion? Is not the communion of the uh, of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break is not the communion of the body of Christ. And verse uh, eighteen. Observe Israel after the flesh are no are not those who eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar. What am I saying then? That an idol is anything, or what is offered to idol is anything? Verse eighteen, verse twenty. Rather that the things with the Gentiles sacrifice they sacrifice to demons and not to God and do not want you to have fellowship with demons anymore. So what do you do? Break down the altar of Baal and break down the Asherah pole. That is where the demonic comes and uh, comes and has uh, has fellowship with you. Break down the altar and build another altar for God continuously so that I can always have communion and fellowship with you so that I can be with you. Break down the altar. So three things we learned today. Stop here. <clears throat> three things. Okay. If God is for us, who can be against us? But if God has to be with us, two th- one thing we have to do is humble ourselves. But how do we humble ourselves? Have a submissive spirit. And don't let success come to us before our time humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God so that he can exalt us in new times. Second, we learned. Second thing, he said, no other avocations. Single-minded devotion with God. Okay, Single-minded devotion with God. And in order to do that, break down every other idol. An altar. Have an altar, meaning what? Constantly come back to God and say, Lord, I messed up today. I want you. I want to set my heart straight with you. Peace with God and peace with man. Peace with God and peace with man. Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 will say, don't have to turn there, we know this very well. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. And be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove that which is good, that which is acceptable and that which is the perfect will of God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you, Father, for this day. What you see in us, in seed form, are men and women, mighty men and women of valor. And we are mighty only because we have the Almighty God who is with us, the Shepherd of Israel. It is only through you we can do valiantly. It's through our God who can do that we can do valiantly. It is He who will tread down our enemies. And Father, this morning we want to have that 
that fellowship which is constant with you. That we will never allow pride and strife to come between us and our brothers and you. We want to throw away strife. We want to throw away contention. We want to throw away the scoffing spirit. We want to humble ourselves. We want to submit ourselves. And we want to have a single-minded devotion. Not a divided heart. Or a divided mind. A heart which is absolutely united for you. Make us whole, O Lord. Make us whole. Make us whole. Continue to make us whole. Continue to bind up our fragmented heart and our mind. So that we can, Lord, worship you with undivided attention that our hearts will be perfect toward you. To that end, I pray that you would bless every message that we hear, every teaching that we hear, that you would bless us to that end. Thank you, Father. We praise you, we worship you. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.